0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Coming up on Episode 275 of Wheel Bearings, it's just the boys as we have the 2023 Genesis GV60 Performance, uh, Honda's new Level two and level three driver assist systems, as well as a plug-in hybrid fuel cell CRV coming in 2024, off-road Lamborghini Huracans and Porsche 911s, and some listener questions. All that coming up next. This is episode 275 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abualsamad from Guidehouse Insights. And I'm Roberto
1: Baldwin from, uh, let's see, Motor One. I'm from Motor One.
0: Oh, from Motor One this week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and where are you tonight, uh, Robbie?
1: I am in Las Vegas. Um, I know we don't, we're not doing the live stream because this is like a last-minute thing. But there yeah. is an orb. I'm just going to show, show Sam. There's just a random orb on this desk that I'm using. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's supposed to be the moon. It's very weird. I feel like that I own the orb of power. And because of that, I control the universe, at least for the day. Okay, that works. But I'm in Las Vegas to drive a, to drive a, a, a McLaren, which there will be video of it on Engadget sometime this week, hopefully. Fingers crossed.
0: All right. Well, I am at home uh, in Ypsilanti tonight. And uh, you didn't drive anything this week because uh, you're behind schedule on a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's <laughs> a nice way of saying Robbie's not Robbie doesn't write fast enough.
0: <laughs> but, um, I drove the uh 2023 Genesis GV60 Performance. Um, Ooh. yes, um, and I had previously driven it briefly back in May, um, at the uh, Mama Spring Rally at Road America, but that was only for about 10 15 minutes. Um, and uh, this time I got to spend a whole week with it, which was lovely um this is the genesis variant of the, uh, the 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 first batch of Hyundai EGMP models so you got the Hyundai Ionic 5 the Kia EV6 and the GV60 uh so it's it's the first plug-in battery electric vehicle from Genesis uh it's the most premium of the first 3 EGMP cars and uh it's quite speedy Hence uh, the hence the performance. So there's two two variants of the GV60. There's the base model and the the performance. And uh, let's see the um, the base model. Um, it has the same motor setup as the all-wheel drive um, EV6 and Ionic Five. So 314 horsepower, slightly smaller front motor, larger rear motor, uh, and The performance gets 429 horsepower. So you get larger, um, you get the same uh, 160 kilowatt motor um, at both axles. Um, And in addition to that, it also has a boost mode, which uh, when you, there's a button on the steering wheel on the um, right-hand drive spoke, it says boost, you hit that button and you'll see a countdown timer on the instrument cluster startup and counting down from 10 and you can get 10 second boost mode that bumps that power output up to 483 horsepower um, which
1: is uh yeah. by the way I, i've driven this car it's outstanding but it's also very porsche
0: yes and uh you know presumably the the, the reason why you only get 10 seconds is because while it's Giving you that maximum power, the motors are heating up, the batteries heating up, and you know, Genesis doesn't want you to, you know, just run this continuously like that, you know, and fry everything. So they give you a ten-second boost, which, to be fair, is plenty fast enough to get yourself into all kinds of trouble. Ten seconds is a long time. It is, especially you really think about when, it when you know, fishing, when you're behind the wheel. When you can get from from a standing start to sixty miles an hour in three and a half seconds. Um, you, you you know, by the end of that 10 seconds, by the the end, by the time that 10 seconds is done, if you have kept your right foot buried in it, um, you're going to be at a speed where you could be in some, you could get some, get yourself into some serious jeopardy. So I think 10 seconds is definitely more than enough at at a shot. Um, and the nice thing about it is you just press the button and you don't have to go through any kind of rigmarole you don't have to do like you know the Watts to freedom on the hummer where <laughs> you've got the thing's got to lower itself down and it's got to grumble at, right you. at you or you know the <laughs> it's got attitude adjustment the, the super acceleration mode on the the Model S Plaid you know where it's got to heat up the battery and or you know get the battery to the right temperature and all you know you got to go through all kinds of rigmarole just to get one acceleration run at maximum performance <laughs> This you just hit the button and you go. Simple as that. Very very easy. Um, you know this car is roughly the same size. It, yeah, you know, it's technically a crossover for whatever that actually means in 2022. Yeah, which is which is not anything.
1: It's it's a hatchback. there where you sit a little bit higher than you would in a regular. Yeah, hatchback. that's that's and, that's essentially what crossover means now.
0: Yeah, and that and that's fine. I'm I'm good with that. Um. Uh, so. Uh, It's, you know, it's roughly the same size as the Onyc 5 EV6, um, you know, which is good. You know, it means there's plenty of plenty of room in the backseat for certainly for two adults and, you know, uh, three if they're not too wide. Um, It is capable of doing 240 kilowatt charging, um, assuming you can find a charger that is capable of delivering at least 240 kilowatts. Um, Unfortunately, as it turned out. I went to my local EA station that's down the road for me, uh, three times over the course of the weekend after doing a bunch of driving and getting it down to about uh, under 20% state of charge. Cause I wanted to see, you know, how fast it would actually charge. I even did some driving and and you know, did the preconditioning. Yeah, you know, I, I set the turned on preconditioning, set the navigation to guide me to the uh to the charging station, drove around for a while till it was all warmed up. And and when you put it in when you have it in preconditioning mode. In the little icon in the instrument cluster that gives you that shows you the state of charge, <clears throat> you'll see a little coil appear there because it's that's indicating that it's warming up the battery to get it to that optimum temperature to accept a charge. Like an electric range. Yes, exactly. And uh, I arrived at my Electrify America station only to find somebody plugged into the one working 350 kilowatt charger because the other one <clears throat> I tried it, tried both of the cables on it. It would not recognize that it was plugged into a car. Uh, I called Electrify America to complain about it. I said, yeah, we've got a ticket in on that one. Hopefully, we'll get it fixed soon. Uh, The other 350-kilowatt charger uh, was currently being used by a Chevy Bolt. (laughs) (laughs) There were two other Uh, 150-kilowatt chargers available, but the driver of the Bolt up to
1: I, the three fifty. I'm gonna I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse, but we the fact that automakers are not upfront about the charge, the actual charge rate, not the time from ten to eighty mm-hmm. percent, but the actual charge rate of their cars and how their car how quickly their charges their cars charge at a station is why we end up with Chevy bolts. They can only charge up to fifty kilowatts at three hundred fifty kilowatt like spots. Yeah. Because so, they, they, we're just not we're not doing a very good job or the automakers are not doing a very good job or the, the regular press is not doing a very good job of just explaining that. I think if you if you read tech sites and you read car sites then you probably got a good handle on it. But everyone else is just sort of like, yeah, we'll figure it out.
0: And, and I'm sure that, you know, when um, when Electrify America starts adding their uh, hyper fast and ultra fast charging labels to. Uh, to their chargers their 150 and 350 kilowatt chargers and i'm not sure which one is which Uh, but i'm sure that will clear up all the confusion and everybody will be charging at the right chargers
1: um it's a i mean it's a start on their end but it doesn't help that the automakers are still like sort of coy about like how fast their cars charge i'm like just give us a number so we can send it to the people and then the people know i my car charges at 50 kilowatts anything under anything 150 is fine
0: yeah so I came back to the, I went home, came back two more times over the course of the weekend uh, to find, um, let's see, one time there was a Mach-E charging on that work one working 350 kilowatt charger. The other time there was a Polestar 2. Um, so nobody during that weekend actually was able to take proper advantage of that particular charger. Um, I finally, I came came back on Monday I figured, okay, maybe, you know, be less occupied, you know, in the middle of a Monday. Uh, you know, when people are working on whatever, only to find that the crew had finally arrived to do the rip and replace on the chargers, uh, all of them, all, all all six of them. Yes. Uh, Um, when I talked to, with electrify America about a month or so ago, um, about some things they were doing, they told me that, yeah, they're one of their, all their ABB chargers, um, that they had been having a lot of problems with. They were all going to be replaced by the end of the year. Uh, including the one here in, in Ypsilanti. um and as it turned out they picked the time when i had the gv60 <laughs> to do it
1: it's like the gv60 the porsche taycan what else is 800 volt
0: um the audi and, e-tron well, the audi, gt the
1: e-tron gt which is essentially like yeah and the, and the hummer and the yeah and the hummer yeah those are those are the ones those are the ones and that's the <laughs> like, yeah we're gonna break everything down and rebuild it
0: yeah so um dirt when i last drove by there on friday you know they had all the old chargers ripped out uh they hadn't yet started installing the new ones and they're they're putting in new chargers that have been designed by electrify america with a with a partner specifically for their needs that will supposedly give them a lot better capability to monitor and diagnose um, problems with the chargers so that when they send a technician out to fix it, they they'll know hopefully exactly what the problem is when they yeah. get there. Plus they're
1: using off-the-shelf stuff. I mean, they didn't design this stuff. I mean, they sort of yeah. designed it, but they designed it with like just sort of like a Lego set. But you're using Duplo and then those weird. Well, they they, pops. they basically
0: designed like what the outer case looks like. So so they all had a consistent look, but That's you in know tears. the the guts inside you know it's were. A- it's the homer Hit and miss.
1: <laughs> it got inside of Electrify <laughs> America as a homer. And so now yeah. they're like, oh, why don't we just design and do all this? I mean, they had to like deploy it legally, like they legally
0: had to do it. Yeah, because this was all part of, of their settlement with yeah. the uh the Department of Uh en- Department of Justice and Probably That's State right. of California, uh, to um for for Dieselgate. You know, they, they agreed that we're going to invest two billion dollars in charging infrastructure and so to do that, they established a new business unit called Electrify America. And in Canada, they did Electrify Canada and they started deploying DC fast charging all across the country. Um, you know, as far as deploying it, they've they've done a good job. It's just the equipment they put out there was not so great and they haven't done a great yeah. job with maintenance. But Which hopefully, hopefully nice. it will get better. We'll see in the coming months, uh, once these new chargers are installed, if if it actually does get any better. Um, so so I ended up not doing any fast charging. Uh, test with the GV60 uh, but um, uh, I did drive it around quite a bit had a lot of fun with it. This is a very quick car um I, I really uh, you know I like the the way it looks. I like the 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 look and feel of the interior is very comfortable uh one one neat touch is uh, when you put it into the the seats um, on the performance model, uh, they have a bunch of adjustments including adjustable side bolsters. And when you switch it from eco or performance to sport mode, the side bolsters tighten up to uh, hold you in place. You know, so that you're sitting right you remain sitting right in front of the steering wheel. You don't. You're going to slide around a little bit less, uh, which is which is nice and handy. I think we've talked before about the uh, the shifter knob, which when you first get in the car, when the car is off, you know, it's got this cool. Uh, it looks like a glass sphere that's got some internal lights in it that that looks really neat, um, but you can you know, there's nothing to grab and you can't twist it or anything. And then when you press the start button, then this thing flips over, rotates over, and now you have the shift the shift uh, dial to select park, reverse, neutral, and drive. So that gives you a visual indication of whether the car is actually on or off, because obviously with an EV, you know, it's you, you know, it's always quiet. Uh, so it's nice to have that visual indicator. And, and it's just a cool little design feature. Um, one other interesting design touch that they did on the GV60 is this is one of the first cars that has biometrics for entry and starting of the car. Um, so when you when you first get in the car, you have to have – there's two key fobs. You have to have both key fobs with you to program the biometrics. And you go in the in the menu – set up your profile and then it'll ask you, there's a fingerprint sensor on the center console and there's a camera outside of the car on the B pillar uh, for a face ID. And so first it'll ask you to, uh, yeah, first it'll ask you to step outside the car, look at the camera and you'll see a little uh, circle, a light uh, rotate around the camera. And then it turns green indicating that it has recognized your face. It's captured your face. Uh, and then you get back in the car and do the same usual fingerprint thing that you would do with your phone if your phone has a fingerprint sensor and recognize that. So now without a key fob and without having the digital key on your phone, uh, which you can also do is another option. Uh, you can just walk up to the car, look at the B pillar, and it, if it, it'll recognize your face. And then you can get in, press the fingerprint button, and then start the car, and you're on your way without having anything. Uh, which is all very handy. I don't know how secure it actually is. Hopefully Hyundai has you know done everything properly to keep all that data secured. Uh you know, it has you know secure element in the the chip that controls all this stuff, so it's all properly encrypted. Um, but it is it is a convenient touch. Um
1: it was nice when I had the car and I could just go out and I needed some I was like outside doing something. I'm like, oh, I need something out of the car. Yeah, I'm like oh, I don't have to go inside and get the key. I just like went over and looked at it. So it's all click. So that was nice.
0: Yeah. so this is um not an inexpensive car. um as equipped, uh, the GV60 performance that I had um had was priced at sixty nine thousand five hundred and sixty dollars, um which is um fairly expensive.
1: It's not a cheap car,
0: no. Uh, um, it feels nice though, and it, yeah, you know, you're, you're no, getting all it, this it fun stuff. It feels premium, it feels like a seventy thousand yeah. dollar car,
1: yeah, definitely feels nice and yeah, luxurious.
0: You know, I mean, if you want, you know, largely the same mechanical bits without all the the fancy gadgetry like the biometrics and the, the flip over shifter and things like that, you know, you can go buy a, a Hyundai Ionic 5 for about 42 43,000, you know, so yeah, you know, so like. 25 26 27 thousand less um and get you know certainly you get the same battery and you're going to get uh you know um the same same kind of motors in there uh so you can get all you can get a lot of the important stuff for a lot less money uh if you want to the um the gv60 performance is rated at 235 miles of range um uh, when i had it it was fairly cold, uh, most of the time. So I was using the heat, um, and I didn't run it all the way down. Uh, but, uh, it worked out, um, that it averaged about, uh, three miles per kilowatt hour, uh, which works out to about 220 miles of range. So a little bit less than the estimate, but as I said, it was cold, uh, and the, um, uh, the you know I was using the the heat uh while driving it uh so you know not not bad you know uh 220 miles when it's cold I think you know in, in more moderate temperatures when it's when it's warmer out um you could easily hit that 235 and and probably uh, a little more than that maybe get up to 240 245 uh without any difficulty you can also get the uh the standard Gv60 uh that I think has uh 250 miles of range uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's still very quick. You know, it'll still do zero 60 in like the mid four second range. Um, so it's, it's still more than quick enough for almost everybody. Uh, and you, and you get most of the, most of the goodies with it anyway. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed driving the GV60. I've, I've always enjoyed driving all of these EGMP, uh, models from Hyundai Motor Group. And, uh, and this is just the latest
1: so good in their own way it's yeah. and They're they're all based on the same platform but they all have just enough character in their own to make it seem like oh well this is really nice yeah
0: yeah i mean my so my, my personal favorite is still the ev6 um i like the way it looks uh and the way it drives but you know i i wouldn't say no to any of them i i like them all
1: yeah yeah no i i like the see i like the ionic 5 but that's see that's that's a nice thing is there's one for
0: everyone yeah <laughs> All right. Um, let's get into a few stories of the week. Um, let's start off. Uh, Honda made an, uh, Honda actually made a couple of announcements this week. Um, they first, um, you know, early in the week, they announced their intention to, uh, launch new, more advanced driver assist systems in the coming years, um, and have them all available globally across their product line by 2030. Um, they already last year in Japan on a limited run of the Honda Legend uh, launched uh, Honda Sensing Elite, which at the time was the first level uh, production level three automated driving system, which means that at level three, it means uh, you can your hands off and eyes off, but you're still brain on. So you get, you don't have to be watching the road when you're using it but you do have to remain awake and alert, but you can be reading or texting. You gotta be ready to take over within about 10 seconds. I've talked before, I'm, I'm not convinced that this is necessarily a great idea, but they're doing it and other manufacturers are doing it. Um, and they are going to be offering that, uh, rolling that out globally on other models um, outside of Japan, beginning in 2024. Um, They also have a level two system, their their Honda Sensing 360, uh, which they launched in China earlier this year, uh, which has more sensors, more radar sensors, uh, more cameras, uh, but no LiDAR. Um, And that is more like Ford Blue Cruise or uh, GM Super Cruise, where it has hands-free capability, auto lane changing, things like that. Um, And that is also going to start becoming available globally, starting in 2024, um, on models that they haven't yet announced. Which those will be, uh, but that that's coming in 24. Um, so um, that's all, and then by 2030 they plan to have those available basically across their entire lineup. No thoughts. <laughs>
1: Oh, sorry. I thought I, I thought I froze for a second. Sorry about that. Oh no. Um, you know, I think it's you know level three. If you, I know I, I've I've written the Mercedes Benz level three system. And if you live in a town or let's say you just live in L A. Let's just say L A. Where you're just stuck in traffic and you're never going more than thirty miles an hour. That's where that that thing makes the most sense, really. I think all these sort of level three systems make a lot of sense. Very geofenced on certain roads. Going very slow, where you can take over and it's not, yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot happening, to be honest. You're you're just sort of stuck and you're you're just stop moving stop.
0: So I think in in that yeah, I mean when you're in that kind of stop and go traffic, yeah, yeah. I I would just as soon have something like this, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. Outside of that, like I'm just like uh, just because people, you know, they 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 get distracted. To be honest, like how much, you know, and, and then are we, are we in, in incentivizing people using their phones when they shouldn't be using their phones because they can use it at this point, but now you can't use it at this point. And, and also you have to worry wonder about like the, the law, like if I have a, this system in California, am I allowed to use my phone because I'm not allowed to have a phone in my hand while I'm driving and the cop doesn't know the difference between, you know, my level three system and a level two and a half system. It's just... There's a lot there's a lot to sort of unpack with these and it you know we're still i mean we're such early days and no one even has one on the road here in the united states yet so we'll we'll see how it works out but i mean if you're asking me to trust the average driver <laughs>
0: <laughs> well and yeah you know, it gets better because uh, earlier this summer they uh, updated the regulations in in europe so that the U- the initial un ec regulation for automated what they call automated lane keeping systems, which is what they're referring to these level three systems as um, when it came out a couple of years ago, it, you know, it required that the vehicles be geofenced to divided highways and the speed limit was set at 60 kilometers an hour, 37 miles an hour. They've since updated that um, earlier this summer. So it's now the speed limit for that is now 130 kilometers an hour, 85, 80 miles an hour. So you can use this at highway speeds now. Yeah, that's That's um hmm. I'm, I'm not so I, sure that's a good idea. And I feel like
1: that might have been Mercedes-Benz and maybe No, well, I'm sure Volvo? it was
0: probably I mean, Volvo not, I mean, and Volvo. BMW cuz BMW's got a system yeah, coming next BMW, year as well. Yeah, they their systems.
1: I don't know. I mean, setting it's like setting the regulations doesn't mean they're going to automatically set the cars. The Germans are the Germans and the the Swedes are very very concerned. <laughs> yeah <laughs> about liability let's say more so than tesla like if yeah it's, i mean a, i'm, if it's I'm 120 sure 120 kilometers an hour they're probably still going to keep it at 40 for now they're like you know what let's just mm. because they've said i mean mercedes has said if a, if there's an accident it's our fault right so and I. I think Volvo said that as well. I mean,
0: yeah, Volvo, I, I, yeah, Volvo said that. BMW has also said it. Yeah.
1: So. so, so with that in mind, they're probably like, you know, it's nice that the that the regulations say for future, so they can they're, they're essentially future-proofing the regulations. But I think that the automakers, especially in Europe, are going to be very cautious before they even get even close to that sort of speed, those sort of speeds on the on the freeway.
0: I hope so. Well, at least I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearings media. All right. The, the other big announcement from Honda this week was that uh, they're going to produce um, a new zero emissions version of the CRV um, in Ohio, in Marysville, Ohio, uh, starting in 2024. Um, they, it's, they're going to produce it at uh, what's known as the Performance Manufacturing Center, which until a couple of weeks ago was the home of the NSX. Uh, NSX production has ended, and now they're gonna build this new version of the CRV there, limited production. Um, and what makes it unique is that it's going to be a plug-in hybrid fuel cell CRV. So it will you'll be able to plug it in, um, it'll have a battery, that will give you some as yet indeterminate amount of electric driving range from the battery. Uh, And then it will also have a fuel cell that it can use as a range extender. Um, And they haven't said, you know, what kind of range this is all going to have or uh, how much this thing's going to cost. This, this idea of a plug-in hybrid fuel cell vehicle is not new. Um, you know, I actually drove one back in February of twenty two thousand seven. Um, Ford had introduced Ooh. a, uh, the, what was known as the high series drive edge. And actually in January, 2007 at the Detroit auto show, they showed a concept called uh, the Airstream, which was this bright polished aluminum minivan like vehicle that at least on the spec sheet said it would have a plug in hybrid fuel cell powertrain. Um, as it turns out, the actual concept had a little four-cylinder engine mounted in the middle, kind of like the old Toyota Previa. Um, but uh, th- but they actually did build prototypes of this drivetrain. And in the case of the Edge, uh, the prototype Edge that I drove, it had um, I think about uh, 25 miles of electric range from the battery, and um, and then about an- excuse me another 200 miles of range. Uh, from the onboard hydrogen and fuel cell, and one of the stated advantages of this layout is you can have you know a little bit less battery. Um, you know have you know have a battery that you can plug in. You can drive it you know uh, from the grid most of the time. Do most of your driving off of that, and then um, use the fuel cell as a range extender. And when the fuel cell isn't your primary source of electricity to drive the vehicle, um, when it's just running steady state just to recharge the battery, it can be much more efficient. You can get more range out of it or or not need to carry as much hydrogen. Um, so you know since then, there's been a couple of other concepts. Audi's shown uh, a version of the A7, I think, that had this kind of powertrain in it. Uh, BMW's shown something like this. Um, so, uh, you know, I'll be curious to see how Honda markets this thing. Uh, what kind of range it actually gets. I mean, obviously it's probably not going to be available outside of California because that's the only place where you can get any hydrogen.
1: Yeah. But. I, I I saw, well, they showed us this car under rat, like real literally under stuff. Like we couldn't see the actual design and everything, but they were like, Hey, there's a fuel cell. And I'm like, we're like, is this a CRV? They're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like, Honda's, I mean, it's, it's, we start to build up the infrastructure in Japan and in Korea, there's far more, you know, there's far more uh, hydrogen fueling stations and that's all because of regulatory. Um, so it's, you know, I, I, on one hand, you're like, Ooh, hydrogen sounds like a, you know, a perfect solution, but no one's building any hydrogen stations. And everyone's been talking about building hydrogen stations and then they don't build the hydrogen stations. And I think this is interesting because, especially if you live in the Bay Area, you can you know you can go to the hydrogen station. But now you can just you know the idea that you can you have a plug-in hybrid from Honda that you can just drive around most of the time and then occasionally go get some more hydrogen is is a uh, you know for people in the Bay Area I think it'll be you know you'll see them out there. I mean I see Mirai's out there. I don't see as many Nexos as I thought I would, but I see a lot of Mirai's and. So yeah, no, I think, you know, they're for for especially for folks who are just kind of concerned about the infrastructure, this might be something where they're like, hey, you can also just drive it around after you plug it into your house. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Um, one other interesting detail that I noticed, um, yeah, you know, they're building this, they're gonna build this thing in the the PMC where they up until a couple of weeks ago were building the NSX. Uh so they're replacing the NSX with a new production fuel cell vehicle. Back in 2005, when they ended production of the first generation NSX, that car was built at the Honda's Tochigi factory in uh, in Japan. And after they finished building the NSX, they retooled that factory to build a fuel cell car. The original FCX Clarity in two, oh, yeah. starting in 2007 or 2008 so that's that's twice now that the the NSX two generations of NSX's that have been replaced in their factories by fuel cell vehicles by
1: fuel cells yeah it's a harbinger of, of, of hydrogen <laughs>
0: <laughs> um okay next up uh something completely different uh in in the last couple of weeks um we've had announcements of two very high performance um sports cars that now have, off-road variants sort of the uh lamborghini huracan uh Storado uh and the porsche 911 Dakar um I, I mean i i don't know what to say about these i am here for both of
1: these vehicles i like the idea of of a fast i like the porsche safari i like anytime someone safaris out of porsche a 911 of any generation i don't care um I don't know. I just, I like these types of, these types of, uh, I don't know, gimmicks, I guess. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, at least, at least with the 911, you know, it's got a history of being used as a rally car, you know, going That's, back to the, yeah. at least you know, the 1960s, actually. Um, and, you know, during the eighties, there were 911 um, variants that were developed for the, the Perry Dakar rally, you know, and they won the Perry Dakar rally. Um, so it's not it's not an entirely new thing and in fact um the photos of the car that Porsche has released uh it carries the uh, uh a version of the old Rothman's livery that was on those Perry Dakar cars in the mid 80s um but without the word it says rough, rough roads instead of Rothman's the tobacco company um and it's got the number 953 which was the type number of the original 911. Dakar racer it was a, a, a type 953 so uh you know it it actually has some heritage this way but the Huracan an off-road Huracan I don't know it seems like I would I would totally drive it if I had
1: a lot of money <laughs> what Huracan are you going to get I'm going to get the off-roading one one of the 1500 they're going to make it, That's- it
0: it uh you know in the photos of this thing you know with the with the way they've done the coloring and the dust and everything and the environment they've set the car in yeah it looks like something straight out of mad max
1: Oh so, yeah
0: it, you, this is you, this is the mad max lamborghini i guess
1: you throw some some flamethrowers on that thing it's ready to rock post
0: maybe maybe some missile launchers
1: missile launchers flamethrowers bullets whatever <laughs> you need to get through the wasteland yeah and that's what they're gonna have
0: uh so yeah, it's going to be uh, twenty five hundred units of the nine eleven Dakar uh, at a starting price of two hundred and twenty three thousand four hundred fifty dollars, um, four hundred seventy three horsepower, uh, twin turbo uh, flat six, and then the um, the Huracan. Uh, let's see, the Huracan has got what
1: uh,
0: fourteen ninety nine. No. Wh- yeah, fourteen. Yeah, so fourteen hundred ninety nine units. Um, No, uh, no U.S. price for the Huracan Storado yet, although the uh, uh, the European price is $270,000. Uh, so they're probably uh, all sold out, yeah, yeah, they probably are
1: (laughs) to be be honest. They're probably all sold out. So, unless you're a current Lamborghini owner, you probably,
0: yeah, you got you got to be a current uh, Lamborghini owner and be friends with your local dealer, yeah, like, hey, I got a secret. Uh,
1: I have to motor. I got to oh, run. I got to okay. go to this, this dinner now. Never All long. right, because I have to. I have to go across of the vastness
0: of the wind to go to a room to then go somewhere else. I don't know where the hell we're. Going. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, have fun with the uh, McLaren, and then in the UK. And I'm going to go and go ahead and answer a couple of questions here cool. and wrap it up for this week. Uh, so thanks, thanks, Robbie, for taking a few minutes of your time.
1: Bye, everybody. Right, um bye. I hope I won't break a McLaren. All right.
0: <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. Uh all right. So um we did get uh three questions in. Uh first one is from Dave Marsh. Uh Dave asks, uh the time's approaching for a new purchase. I want to ask what to buy. You guys explained that already. Uh my question was uh, what is your opinion on trim level? So uh first He's asking about the Subaru Outback 2023, uh, fully trimmed out with Napa leather, or just stick with the Wilderness package. Both have the 2.4. The Wilderness exterior and blackout trim appeals to me, but the leather ventilated seats are calling. Uh, I've driven the Wilderness, but not a leather version. Uh, I'd like your thoughts and impressions. I'm going to replace one day a JKU. Um, So the car has to get jobs done. Uh, but on the other hand I'm old enough that maybe I want a car with some comfort uh, I'm not buying an SUV and want a wagon package that offers good value for money hence the outback so yeah I mean the, the outback is a great form factor uh you know it is it is a, a lifted wagon um you know and I'm all about the wagons I love love station wagons I think it, while ventilated leather seats are nice it's a Subaru this is not you know a high-end luxury car i i would probably i would go with the wilderness um you know it, it's it, it's fine it it's going to be great um you know and even if it's got cloth seats you know that's that's you know that's going to be fine they're going to be durable i mean whatever whatever you get you know this is a subaru it's going to be very durable go go with whatever whatever you like or more importantly whatever you can actually get your hands on um that's that's probably as as critical as anything at this stage but um I would say the wilderness is is probably a good choice for you. Uh, Richard DiCarlo Carlo asks, uh, "Hey guys, uh, just wanted to give my impressions on the future of the combustion engine. It seems like current go- the current government wants to kill it along with the rest of the world, only to substitute it with batteries uh, that are just as harmful to the environment as the att- extraction of oil. Not to mention that the cobalt and other raw materials are coming from countries that are not friendly to us, and we don't seem to be interested." uh, in money, those mineral in mining, those minerals in our country, um, backwards, uh, backwards thinking, if you ask me, but that being said, hybrid vehicles for the most part will be the only way that you'll get flyover country to embrace some type of transition. You guys seem to live in areas where there is a lot of charging stations, but for most part of the most part, the rest of the country, they don't live near a big metropolitan area. Uh, do not have to and won't have to won't have that for a long time. Just wanted to get your opinion. I love your show, Keep up the good work. Uh, thanks, Richard. Um, so yes, there there is a movement to phase out internal combustion, uh, particularly internal combustion that is powered by fossil fuels. the The current administration definitely wants to get rid of it. Certainly, uh, European countries, most European countries want to eliminate internal combustion. Uh, but the reality is it's, it's still going to be, you know, we've got such a large fleet of vehicles on the road. It's going to take decades to replace all those vehicles. They're going to be around for a long time. Um, as for the environmental challenges of batteries, um, it's true that for the materials used in batteries today, um, notably the, the cobalt, um, and, um, Uh, other raw materials, you know, most of the cobalt today is mined in central Africa, uh, in less than ideal humanitarian conditions. Um, however, it's not the only source of cobalt. Uh, we are actually just in the last month, uh, a cobalt mine opened up in, um, I believe in Montana. It's the first cobalt mine in North America in almost 50 years, I believe, um, and cobalt is often produced as a byproduct of nickel mining as well. Uh, and quite a bit of nickel is produced in Canada. It's produced in Indonesia. Uh, it's produced in Australia. Uh, so there are other sources of cobalt. Um, and I think one of the things that we are going to see in the coming years, um, you know, especially with the regulations in the um, Inflation Reduction Act that require uh, domestic sources of, uh, battery materials and battery components is I think we will see some, at least for battery materials, I think we will see some relaxing of some of the, uh, permitting requirements, uh, for extracting these materials in, uh, in the U S um, we're certainly going to see expansion of production of those materials from other, other countries besides, uh, Congo. You know, that will help. And then longer term, you know, as the number of EVs on the road grows and some of those more and more of those EVs reach the end of their life, one of the factors we're going to see is um, a lot more recycling. Um, one of the great things about batteries, lithium ion batteries, is they are actually not that hard to recycle. And um, companies like uh, Licycle and uh, Redwood Materials uh, based out in Nevada Um, and as well as other companies in Europe and and elsewhere have been doing a lot of work on battery recycling. Um, Redwood is already recycling um, at least six gigawatt hours a year worth of uh, battery scrap uh, from production at uh, Tesla and uh, as well as um, from AESC Envision in Tennessee and also recycling consumer electronics batteries. And that recycling process, uh, what they call um uh hydrometallurgy can recover uh about 98 percent of all those critical minerals from old batteries and it you know from uh from studies that have been done because you're taking the minerals out of used batteries and you're refining it refining it again you can actually get they've actually found that you can get better performance from batteries made from recycled materials Than from virgin materials, because every time you recycle it, you're taking out more of the impurities from that material. And so, you know, what we will see uh, Redwood Materials, for example, um, plans to have about 500 gigawatt hours of recycling capacity available every year by the end of the decade. Um, And that's almost half of North American, uh, the projected North American battery production capacity. Uh, So, you know, if we've got a couple of other companies doing the same thing, we could be getting by the end of the decade, most of the material for new batteries from used batteries uh, or certainly by the mid 2030s. So the environmental impact of mining materials is going to be a lot less. In addition to that, there are a number of other um, promising uh, competing and promising uh, battery chemistries. Uh, Most notably, lithium iron phosphate, which is much cheaper. You know, the key minerals in there besides the lithium are iron and phosphorus, both of which are readily available domestically. Uh, They're they're non-toxic. You know, they're they're much lower cost than the nickel and cobalt and other materials that we're using. And there's already a couple of plants, um, one plant under construction uh, from Our Next Energy uh, here in Michigan that uh, is going to be building LFP batteries, lithium iron phosphate batteries. Uh, there's another uh, plant that is going to pr- be producing um, LFP cobalt materials in West Michigan uh, in a couple of years uh, from a company called Goshen, um, and likely at least one or two more plants building LFP cells. So that will help as well. Uh, in addition to that, um, there are other promising chemistries like lithium-sulfur and uh and sodium batteries as well. And then, and, and, um, uh, aluminum, um, aluminum air batteries, uh, or aluminum, um, ion batteries. So it's, we're not going to be relying entirely on the types, uh, on the types of batteries that we have today. There is progress being made on new battery types and on where we get the materials from. So the environmental impact is going to be a lot less as for the charging. Um, you know, a big part of the uh seven and a half billion dollars in the infrastructure package for um for charging infrastructure uh is for deploying chargers in less uh less well-served areas, you know, in a lot more more rural areas, um, you know, in the middle part of the country. Uh and Certainly, you know, I think uh, it's going to take a lot longer to get significant EV adoption in a lot of those uh, states, you know, like the the Dakotas and Montana and Wyoming and, and Minnesota and, and others. But you also have to keep in mind that there's also a lot fewer people that live there. Um, you know, if you look at where most of the vehicles are and where most of the population is, it's not in those in those big swaths of the middle of the country. Um, so. Even if, you know, uh, and on the the coastal areas, the Midwest, um, you know, and and the South, we have a lot more EV adoption. That's going to account for a very high percentage of new vehicles. Yes, I I do believe that hybrids will stay with us for quite some time. Uh, Certainly plug-in hybrids uh, are going to be with us. Even even with the, you know, in California where they want to ban sales of new internal combustion engines by 2035. That doesn't eliminate that; those regulations don't eliminate plug-in hybrids. It would still allow for plug-in hybrids. It just would it would ban sales of new vehicles that don't have a plug or that don't run on hydrogen, for example. Um, so, anything that runs exclusively on on fossil fuels would be banned, uh, for, or at least new vehicles. Existing vehicles can stay on the road for you know for as long as they can um, continue to run but new, new vehicles would not be allowed. Um, so I think we'll, we'll continue to see plug-in hybrids as part of the solution uh, across the country for a good long time to come. Uh, and finally, uh, Dan Vesma asked, uh, I was wondering what happened to clutchless manuals. Uh, I accidentally bought one in a first-generation Mercedes A-Class, and it was interesting. Some of the fun without a sore clutch leg in traffic. Uh, has anything in the last 15 years being available with a stick but no left pedal I don't think so um I think I think they have largely gone away uh they've mostly been replaced um, by uh, dual clutch transmissions um as as the alternative to either CVTs or traditional automatics uh dual clutch gearboxes have some advantages um they're you know there can be greater efficiency compared to a regular automatic certainly better performance uh and they can they they're generally a lot smoother operating than clutchless manuals um or even you know some of the early uh like the the early uh, automated clutch systems uh like uh you know like the the early F1 style formula 1 style systems uh like the Audi R8 artronic <clears throat> which uh was an automated clutch you know where it actually had all the mechanical components of a traditional manual transmission uh including the clutch but it had hydraulic actuators to actuate the clutch uh automatically when you tap the the paddles uh, or tap the uh the shift lever so it didn't have a traditional H pattern shifter it had you know just a uh like a tiptronic style shifter you know an automatic you know where you tap it back and forth uh, or paddles on the steering wheel uh, and then when you did that it would automatically actuate the clutch. Um, and those have largely gone away. those um those didn't those weren't particularly good to drive uh, on the streets. They, they worked they worked well in racing and motorsports, but they were generally terrible on road cars. Uh, and so they've gone away from those in favor of Dcts which are much smoother. they can shift much faster. Uh, than than those uh, those earlier clutchless manuals uh, or automated clutch transmissions, and they're generally preferred by most drivers. Uh, so um, that's it for this week. Um, and uh, sorry, Robbie had to leave early, and Nicole couldn't join us today because she is uh, on vacation in Europe, uh, touring around Europe with her husband for I believe for their thirtieth anniversary. Uh, so uh, they're having they're having some fun in Europe right now. Uh, but we should all be back, hopefully, together next week. Um, and uh, if you want to send us some questions, uh, you can send them to uh, feedback at wheelbearings.media. Um, you can still use the Twitter. The Twitter account's still active, although I'm gradually migrating that over to, migrating over to uh, Mastodon. Um, you can also um, send us uh, uh messages uh if you're a patron you can send them uh through the uh through patreon uh send us messages that way and uh, we appreciate all the feedback and uh enjoy and we'll talk to you next time bye what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co